Every so often in the Gospels, Jesus says things that sound amazingly insensitive. And it seems to me that telling his followers that they have little faith is one of these moments. It doesn't strike me as very helpful because who among us ever says, oh my gosh, you're so right. Thank you for pointing out how small my faith is. I'll just go dig up the extra faith that I've stashed in the back of my closet and I'll be just fine. I wouldn't say that. And if you would say it, you're a much more spiritually mature person than I am, which is definitely possible. But not only that, let's think about the people to whom Jesus was speaking. Jesus' followers were ordinary people. They were peasants, they were fishermen. Most of them barely made a living year to year. Many of them would have been constantly in debt, much like a lot of working poor today find themselves in these cycles of high interest, predatory payday loans, because there's never quite enough. And in fact, in Jesus' time, some of the farmers who were listening to him would have faced the possibility of having so much debt that they would have to sell family members or they would even have to sell themselves into slavery to pay off their debts. So, I'm sorry, don't worry. Don't worry about what you'll eat when most of the people listening to him were hungry every day. Don't worry about what you'll wear when they were so poor that their clothing was probably falling apart. Don't worry about your body when for any of these people, an injury would mean the end of their ability to earn a living and there was no EI. Don't worry about your lives when these people lived under Rome, an imperial power that ruled by might and executed political opponents by crucifixion and disemboweling. Don't worry. Okay, Jesus. Sure. Sounds good. I'll just, you know, admire the birds and marvel at the flowers and everything will take care of itself. The mortgage, the bills, feeding and clothing the kids, none of that will matter as long as I stop to smell the roses. So for the record, it's perfectly okay to vent at Jesus like this. It is perfectly okay to get mad at God. And I say this because the Psalms are full of voices who cry out to God saying, where the heck are you? I need you right now. I personally believe that God prefers upfront yelling over a mask of virtue and piety while receiving with resentment underneath. Now that said, venting is not exactly preaching the good news, which is what a sermon is supposed to do. So let's go back for round two. I wanna hone in on something Jesus says in this passage. 
Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Worry does not actually accomplish anything. And I say this as a worrier. Worrying about what might happen does not actually prepare you for violence. Worrying about a person doesn't protect them. Worrying about the state of the world doesn't fix it. We can't change the weather by worrying. We can't make more money by worrying. We can't cure someone's alcoholism by worrying. But it feels like we're doing something. It feels like we are addressing something. It gives the illusion of control when the uncomfortable truth is that we have very little control, right? We make choices in our lives, yep, and they are important choices, yep, and they carry responsibility, yep. But COVID has shown us just how quickly our decisions and plans and best laid plans get thrown out the window. But we also worry because we care, right? We care about our loved ones. We care about our future and the future of our children and our grandchildren. We care about the state of the world. All this is right and good. And when Jesus tells us not to worry, he's not telling us to stop caring. But worry and care are two different things. Caring is being invested in something outside ourselves. Worrying is asking, what if? Caring is noticing what's happening. Worrying is imagining what might happen. Foresight, foresight is good. Planning is useful, but worrying is a train going in circles nowhere. What if this happens? And then this happens, and then that happens, and then this other thing happens, and then the world as we know it will be over. When we worry, though, we have a tendency to overestimate the awfulness of what could happen, and we underestimate our ability to deal with it. We often picture the worst case scenario while completely ignoring all the times in our lives that we've already dealt with tough situations. It's not bad to think ahead. It's just that running the what if hamster wheel gives us a skewed perspective. Worry distorts reality. Great, but Personally, I don't, I've never found it particularly useful when people just tell me to stop worrying. Well, if I knew how to stop worrying, I'd stop worrying. And it's also irritating, personally, right? I just, I just find that anyone, if anyone tells me, oh, well, dad, don't worry about it. I just want to say, I'm sorry, have you been listening? Don't you understand how important this thing is about which I'm worrying? They're just not listening and obviously they just don't love me. So I don't recommend that approach personally. 
But what do we do instead? Right? It's like saying don't don't worry is kind of like saying don't think about elephants. Well, what are you going to think about then? Right? You have to replace it with something. Instead of just telling ourselves not to worry, what do we focus on instead? Jesus gives us two answers. Faith and striving for the kingdom. Now, when Jesus says faith, I really don't think he means we should just believe harder. I don't think that faith is about just muscling through or powering through or with an effort trying to just tell ourselves it'll be okay and God's there. Faith is trust and trust is risky. Trust is vulnerable and tender and exposed to all kinds of possible calamities. You can have faith and doubt at the same time because faith is not certainty. Faith is trust. Faith is noticing when we are on that hamster worry wheel and saying, okay, God, Faith is saying, look, God, this is a complete mess. I cannot see how it could ever possibly be worked out. So you do your thing. Faith is saying, God, I am going to show up in that messy situation and you better show up too. Faith is focusing on what we can do and leaving the rest to God. Faith is trusting that even if the solution is not clear today, it doesn't mean it's not there. Faith is knowing the limits of what is under our control and surrendering the rest, instead of pretending that if we worry enough about the economy or climate change or the idiocy of politicians, it will have an effect. So we let go of that which we cannot control which is scary, and instead we do what we can. Because worry is also connected to helplessness. It's a horrible feeling to realize that we cannot protect our children from all possible pain, that we cannot stop the sea levels from rising, that we have no idea what has to be, what should be done about Syria. Hope, on the other hand, is connected to taking action even if our one letter to our MP or our one fundraiser for a refugee family does not solve all the problems of the world, it tells us that change is possible. That goodness, it reminds us that goodness still exists. It reminds us that problems that seem insurmountable and impossible can be broken down into little pieces. But beyond that, it's not just about doing good things. It means paying attention to the glimpses of the kingdom that are already here. It means focusing our attention on what is going right and not just what is going wrong. It means noticing kindness, generosity, joy, and neighborliness. Folks, I have noticed so much of all of that from all of you in this last week. It means noticing the presence of God among us here today. 
Because friends, God is with us. When we practice having faith, when we practice trusting, we trust that we will be able to cope with whatever might happen because God will still be with us. We are never alone, Jesus is saying. God knows that we have needs and does not intend to neglect them. And the deepest, deepest need we have is to know that we are not alone. God is right here, right now, surrounding us with love to meet that need. I began by telling Jesus off for telling us that we have little faith. But as I sat with this passage, it occurred to me, what if I change how I'm hearing those words? What if Jesus isn't scolding us? What if instead he's saying to us that we do not have to meet some kind of bar, we don't have to pass some kind of test of faith before God cares for us? What if when he says, you of little faith, he is reassuring us? What if he's saying, you, yes, you of the little faith, God cares for you? What if he's saying, I know it's hard. I know your faith is tired. That's okay. God is still showing up. You are God's beloved child whatever the state of your faith. We are God's beloved on those days when our worry has a death grip on us. We are God's beloved on the days when the darkness invades our hearts and minds and joy and light seem impossible. We are God's beloved on the days when we have done everything right and we have focused on the good and we have done good things and we have paid attention to how God is in the world and still the worry holds us. We are God's beloved because the kingdom is not only here but is promised to us. And so this reality that we know with all the brokenness and pain in this beautiful, glorious world, reality is not the final one. It is God's pleasure, says Jesus, to give the kingdom to you. It is God's pleasure to give to us that which we cannot achieve for ourselves, that which we cannot find for ourselves, that which seems impossible, but is still alive, beating, and present. We are God's beloved. Amen.